Section 2 of Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini Part 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini Part 2 Section 2 Chapters 5 through 9 Chapter 5 While we were making our escape, the sons of the dead man ran to the Duke of Melfi, and begged for some light horsemen to catch us up and take us prisoners. The duke, upon being informed that we were the cardinal of Ferrera's men, refused to give them troops or leave to follow. We, meanwhile, arrived at Stagia, where we were in safety. There we sent for a doctor, the best who could be had in such place, and on his examining Pagolo, we discovered that the wound was only skin deep so i felt sure that he would escape about mischief then he ordered dinner and at this juncture there arrived messer cherubino milanes simpleton who kept always muttering a plague upon your quarrels and complaining that he was excommunicated because he had not been able to say a single paternoster on that holy morning he was very ugly and his mouth which nature had been large and been expanded at least three inches by his wound so that with his ludicrous milanese jargon and silly way of talking he gave us so much matter for mirth that instead of bemoaning our ill luck we could not hold from laughing at every word he uttered when the doctor wanted to sew up his wound and had always made three stitches with his needle the fellow told him to hold hard a while, since he did not want him out of malice to sew the whole mouth up. Then he took up a spoon, and said he wished to have his mouth left open enough to take that spoon in, in order that he might return alive to his own folk. These things he said with such odd waggings of the head, that we never stopped from laughing, and so pursued our journey mirthfully to Florence, we dismounted at the house of my poor sister, who, together with her husband, overwhelmed us with kind attentions. Messer Cherubino and the Milanese went about their business. In Florence we remained four days during which Pagolo got well. It was lucky for us that whenever we talked about that Milanese donkey, we laughed as much as our misfortunes made us weep, so that we kept laughing and crying both at the same moment. Pagolo recovered, as I have said, with ease, and then we travelled toward Ferrera, where we found our lord, the cardinal, had not yet arrived. He had already heard of all our accidents, and said, when he expressed his concern for them, I pray to God that I may be allowed to bring you alive to the king. According to my promise, in Ferrera he sent me to reside at a palace of his, a very handsome place called Belfior, close under the city walls. There he provided me with all things necessary for my work. A little later he arranged to leave for France without me, and observing that I was very ill-pleased with this, he said to me, Benvenuto, I am acting for your welfare. Before I take you out of Italy, I want you to know exactly what you will have to do when you come to France. Meanwhile, push on my basin and the jug with all the speed you can. I shall leave orders with my factor to give you everything that you may want. He then departed, 
and I remained sorely dissatisfied, and more than once I was upon the point of taking myself off without license. The only thing which kept me back was that he had procured my freedom from Pope Paolo. For the rest, I was ill-contented and put to considerable losses. However, I closed my mind with the gratitude due to that great benefit, and disposed myself to be patient and to await the termination of the business. So I set myself to work with my two men, and made great progress with the jug and basin. The air was unwholesome where we lodged, and towards summer we all of us suffered somewhat in our health. During our indisposition we went about inspecting the domain. It was haunted too by multitudes of peacocks, which bred and nested there like wild fowl. This put it into my head to charge my gun with a noiseless kind of powder. Then I tracked some of the young birds, and every other day killed one, which furnished us with abundance of meat of such excellent quality that we shook our sickness off. For several months following we went on working merrily, and got the jug and basin forward, but it was a task that required much time. CHAPTER six. At that period the Duke of Ferra came to the terms with Pope Paul about some old matters in dispute between them relating to Modena and certain other cities. The church having a strong claim to them, the duke was forced to purchase peace by paying down an enormous sum of money. I think that it exceeded three hundred thousand ducats of the Camera. There was an old treasurer in the service of the duke, who had been brought up by his father, Duke Alfonso, and was called Messer Girolamo Giliolo. He could not endure to see so much money going to the pope, and went about the streets crying, Duke Alfonso, his father, would sooner have attacked and taken Rome with his money than have shown it to the pope. Nothing would induce him to disperse it. At last, however, the duke compelled him to make the payments, which caused the old man such anguish that he sickened of a dangerous colic and was brought to death's door. During this man's illness, the duke sent for me and bade me take his portrait, this I did upon a circular piece of black stone about the size of a little trencher. The duke took so much pleasure in my work and conversation that he not unfrequently posed through four or five hours at a stretch for his own portrait, and sometimes invited me to supper. It took me eight days to complete his likeness, then he ordered me to design the reverse. On it I modeled peace, giving her the form of a woman with a torch in her hand, setting fire to a trophy of arms. I portrayed her in an attitude of gladness, with very thin drapery, and bellow her feet, lay fury in despair, downcast and sad, loaded with chains. I devoted much study and attention to his work, and it won me the greatest honor. The duke was never tired of expressing his satisfaction, and gave me inscriptions for both sides of the medal, that on the reverse ran as follows. Pretiosa in conspecto domini, it meant that his peace with the Pope had been dearly brought. Chapter 7. While I was still engaged upon the reverse of this medal, the Cardinal sent me letters bidding me prepare for my journey. Since the King had asked after me, his next communication would contain full details respecting all that he had promised. Accordingly, I had my jug and basin packed up, after showing them to the Duke now a Ferreris gentleman, named Alberto Bendidio, was the cardinal's agent, 
and he had been twelve years confined to his house without once leaving it by reason of some physical infirmity one day he sent in a vast hurry for me saying i must take the post at once in order to present myself before the king of france who had eagerly been asking for me under the impression that i was in france by way of apology the cardinal told him that i was staying slightly indisposed in his abbey at lyons but that he would have me brought immediately to his majesty therefore i must lose no time but travel with the post now messer alberto was a man of sterling worth but proud and illness made his haughty temper insupportable as i have just said he bade me to get ready on the spot and take the journey by the common post i said that it was not the custom to pursue my profession in the post and that if i had to go it was my intention to make easy stages and to take with me the workmen ascanio and pagolo whom i had brought from rome moreover i wanted a servant on horseback to be at my orders and money sufficient for my cost upon the way the infirm old man replied upon a tone of mighty haughtiness and the sons of dukes were wont to travel as i had described and in no other fashion i retorted that the sons of my art travelled in the way i had informed them and that not being a duke's son i knew nothing about the customs of such folk if he treated me to language with which my ears were unfamiliar i would not go at all the cardinal having broken faith in me and such scurvy words having been spoken i should make my mind up once for all to take no further trouble with the fairies then i turned my back and he threatening i grumbling took my leave i next went to the duke with my medal which was finished he received me with the highest marks of honour and esteem it seems that he had given orders to messer girolamo giliolo to reward me for my labour with a diamond ring worth two hundred crowns which was to be presented by fiaschino his chamberlain accordingly his fellow on the evening after i had brought the medal at one hour past nightfall handed me a ring with the diamond of showy appearance and spoke as follows on the part of his master take this diamond as a remembrance of his excellency to adorn the unique artist's hand which has produced a masterpiece of so singular merit when day broke i examined the ring and found the stone to be a miserable thin diamond worth about ten crowns i felt sure that the duke had not meant to accompany such magnificent compliments with so trifling a gift but that he must have intended to reward me handsomely being then convinced that the trick proceeded from his rogue of his treasurer i gave the ring to a friend of mine begging him to return it to the chamberlain fiaschino as he best could the man i chose was bernardo saliti who executed his commission admirably fiaschino came at once to see me and declared with vehement expostulations that the duke would take it very ill if i refused a present he had meant so kindly perhaps i should have to repent of my waywardness i answered that the ring his excellency had given me his worth about ten crowns and that the work i had done for him was worth more than two hundred wishing however to show his excellency how highly I, I esteemed his courtesy i should be happy if he bestowed on me only one of those rings for the cramp which come from england and we are worth tenpence 
I would treasure that so long as I lived in remembrance of His Excellency, together with the honorable message he had sent me, for I considered that the splendid favors of His Excellency had amply recompensed my pains, whereas that paltry stone insulted them. This speech annoyed the Duke so much that he sent for his treasurer, and scolded him more sharply than he had ever done before. At the same time he gave me orders, under pain of his displeasure, not to leave Ferreira without duty informing him, and commanded the treasurer to present me with a diamond up to three hundred crowns in value. The miserly official found a stone rising, a trifle above sixty crowns, and let it be heard that it was worth upwards of two hundred. CHAPTER Eight. Meanwhile, Messer Alberto returned to reason, and provided me with all I had demanded. My mind was made up to quit Ferrera without fail that very day, but the duke's attentive chamberlain arranged with Messer Alberto that I should get no horses then. I had loaded a mule with my baggage, including the case which held the cardinal's jug and basin. Just then a Ferrarese nobleman named Messer Alfonso di Torotti arrived. He was far advanced in years, and a person of excessive affectation, a great dilante of the arts, but one of those men who are very difficult to satisfy, and who, if they chance to stumble on something which suits their taste, exalt it so their own fancy that they never expect to see the like of it again. Well, this Messer alfonso arrived and messer alberto said to him i am sorry that you are come so late the jug and basin we are sending to the cardinal in france have been already backed he answered that it did not signify to him and beckoning to his servant sent him home to fetch a jug in white fanes of clay the workmanship of which was very exquisite during the time the servant took to go and return Messer Alfonso said to Messer Alberto, I will tell you why I do not care any longer to look at vases. It is that I once beheld a piece of silver, antique, of such beauty and such finish that the human imagination cannot possibly conceive its rarity. Therefore I would rather not inspect any objects of the kind, for fear of spoiling the unique impression I retain of that. I must tell you that a gentleman of great quality and accomplishments, who went to Rome upon matters of business, had this antique vase shown to him in secret. By adroitly using a large sum of money, he bribed the person in whose hands it was, and brought it with him to these parts, but he keeps it jealously from all eyes, in order that the duke may not get wind of it, fearing he should in some way be deprived of his treasure while spinning out this lengthy yarn messer alfonso did not look at me because we were not previously acquainted but when that precious clay model appeared he displayed it with such airs of ostentation pomp and mountebank ceremony that after inspecting it i turned to messer alberto and said i am indeed lucky to have had the privilege to see it messer alfonso quite affronted let some contemptuous words escape him and exclaimed who are you then you who do not know what you are saying i replied listen for a moment and afterwards judge which of us knows best what he is saying then turning to messer alberto who was a man of great gravity and talent 
I began, this is a copy from a little silver goblet of such and such weight, which I have made at such and such a time for that charlatan Maestro Jacopo, the surgeon from Carpi. He came to Rome and spent six months there, during which he had bedobbed some scores of noblemen and unfortunate gentlefolk with his dirty salves, extracting many thousands of ducats from their pockets. At that time I made for him this face and one of a different pattern. He paid me very badly, and at the present moment in Rome all the miserable people who use his ointment are crippled and a deplorable state of health. It is indeed great glory for me that my works are held in such a repute among you wealthy lords, but I can assure you that during these many years past I have been progressing in my art with all my might, and I think that the vase I am taking with me into France is far more worthy of cardinals and kings than that piece belonging to your little quack doctor. After I had made this speech, Messer Alfonso seemed dying with desire to see the judge in Basin, but I refused to open the box. We remained some while disputing the matter, when he said that he would go to the duke and get an order from his excellency to have it shown him. Then Messer Alberto Bendidio, in the high and mighty manner which belonged to him, exclaimed, Before you leave this room, Messer Alfonso, you shall see it without employing the duke's influence. On hearing these words I took my leave, and left Arsenio and Pagolo to show it. They told me afterwards that he had spoken enthusiastically in my praise. After this he wanted to become a better acquainted with me, but I was wearing to leave Ferreira and get away from all its folk. The only advantages I had enjoyed there were the society of Cardinal Salviati and the Cardinal Ravina, and the friendship of some ingenious musicians no one else been to me of any good for the fairies are a very avaricious people greedy of their neighbors money however they may lay their hands on it they are all the same in this respect at the hour of twenty-two fiaschino arrived and gave me the diamond of sixty crowns of which i spoke above he told me, with a hang-dog look and a few brief words, that I might wear it for his excellency's sake. I replied, I will do so. Then, putting my foot in the stirrup in his presence, I set off upon my travels without further leave-taking. The man noted down my act and words, and reported them to the duke, who was highly incensed, and showed a strong inclination to make me retrace my steps. CHAPTER Nine. That evening I rode more than ten miles, always at a trot, and when upon the next day I found myself outside Ferrari's domain, I felt excessively relieved. Indeed, I had met with nothing to my liking there, except those peacocks which restored my health. We journeyed by the Manis, avoiding the city of Milion, on account of the apprehension I have spoken of, so that we arrived safe and sound at Lyons, counting Pagolo and Asganio, and a servant. We were four men, with four very good horses. At Lyons we waited several days for the muleter, who carried the silver cup and basin, as well as our other baggage. Our lodging was in an abbey of the cardinals. When the muleteer arrived, we loaded all our goods upon a little cart, and then set off toward Paris. On the road we met with some annoyances, but not of any great moment. We found on the court of 
the king at Fontana Bellio. There we presented ourselves to the cardinal, who provided us at once with lodgings, and that evening we were comfortable. On the following day the cart turned up, so we unpacked our things, and when the cardinal heard this he told the king, who expressed a wish to see me at once. I went to his majesty with a cup and basin, then upon entering his presence I kissed his knee, and he received me very graciously. I thanked his majesty for freeing me with prison, saying that all princes unique for generosity upon the earth, as was his majesty lay under special obligations to set free men of talent, and particularly those that were innocent. As I was, such benefits, I added, were inscribed upon the book of God before any other good actions. The king, while I was delivering this speech, continued listening till the end, with the utmost courtesy, dropping a few words, such as only he could utter. Then he took the vase and basin, and exclaimed, Of a truth I hardly think the ancients can have seen a piece so beautiful as this. I well remember to have inspected all the best works, and by the greatest masters of all Italy, but I never set my eyes on anything which stirred me to such admiration. These words the king addressed in French to the Cardinal of Ferrera, with many others to even warmer praise. Then he turned to me and said in Italian, Benvenuto, amuse yourself for a few days. Make good cheer and spend your time in pleasure. In the meanwhile, we will think of giving you the wherewithal to execute some fine works of art for us. End of section 2